Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Girly Homesteader podcast. Today I'm going to be talking all about my favorites from the month of April. I do have quite a bit of hair stuff to talk about um, and then I also have a couple things to talk about in the garden. I do want to apologize in advance for the audio potentially. Um, I'm recording in a new space. I'm recording at work actually. I've never recorded here before, and um, unfortunately today, (laughs) when I go to record, they decide to redo the roof next door, and there's also some jackhammering going on in the street in front of me, so if you do hear background noise, um, it's just the construction that is around here right now. So anyways, let's get into my April Homestead Favorites. Hello and welcome to season two of the Girly Homesteader podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a girly homesteader living in Xenia, Ohio, with my husband, chickens, bees, and garden. This is my second year homesteading, and in 2023, I am hoping to hone some of the skills I learned in 2022, specifically in the garden and kitchen. This podcast is meant to be a bridge between nature-centered homesteading and the more girly aspects of being a woman, like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and hair care. So if you're looking for a lifestyle podcast that also talks about random aspects of homestead life, like dirty chicken feet, being attacked by bees, monthly garden goals, food preservation ideas, and sourdough that doesn't always rise, you're in the right place and you've found a girlfriend in homesteading. All right, so the first thing that I want to talk about today is a new product by Beauty Counter. Um, They have had cream blushes out for a long time now, um, at least a year, and I was originally very skeptical of them um, because I have always been a powder makeup user. Um, For me, I just thought it looked better on my skin. But over time, I have discovered that my skin is drier than I thought it was. And so cream products are actually a lot better to protect the very sensitive and dry skin than I have on my cheeks and around my eyes. So I don't know, maybe six or so months ago, I really decided to give the cream blushes that Beauty Counter makes a try. And I ended up falling in love with them, of course, because that's pretty much how every single Beauty Counter product is that I try. But they just came out with highlighters that are a creamy kind of balm texture. And so I love highlighter. Um, I honestly, I love bronzer, I love blush, and I love highlighter. The highlighter that I was using before was by a brand called Alima Pure, and it was a powder highlighter. And more often than not, I would overapply <laughs> and... Um, It's not that it would look like terrible, but maybe it did actually, but I just didn't really notice it. I don't know. Um, I would overapply it very easily, that powder highlighter by Lima Pure. Although it is a very clean, non-toxic product, um, it's not something that I would reach for all the time just because it was so easy to overdo. So for me, I'd really only use it like if we were going out to eat or for a special event. But then when Beauty Counter... Uh, released to us consultants. They were coming out with a cream highlighter. I thought, okay, I'm definitely going to try it. So I got all the colors and these are beautiful. Now, 
I do want to make a disclaimer though, that these definitely have a texture unlike any other makeup product I have ever used before. Um, rather than being called cream highlighters, they are calling them highlighting balms. And so what that means is that they are definitely very heavy in emollients, meaning that they don't just give your skin a sheen from the mica and the shimmer that is in them, but it also is giving your skin a sheen because of the oils in it. So this might not be everybody's cup of tea, but what I have discovered is that if I learn, <laughs> um, if, I, if I apply them with the right tools, I get a much more natural look that I can wear every day um, instead of the powder highlighters that I was using before. So when I initially got these, I was applying them with my finger and I didn't like it at all. I'll be honest with you. I would apply too much and um, it just looked really bad and it felt kind of greasy and kind of sticky on my skin. But what I discovered is that applying these with a brush helps you apply just the right amount so that you are not over applying. So the good thing about these though, is that if you over apply on accident, you can always just put some powder on top and you aren't gonna be overly shimmery, um, unlike the powder highlighter that I was using before. So these again, they are a balm consistency. So you can actually use them on your lips and it does feel good, but um, my preferred method of application is with a kind of stiff, brush and I will just tap the brush into the compact and I will lightly tap it onto my skin. So when I do it this way and I make sure just to add the tiniest little bit, I get a very dewy look that doesn't just look sparkly and shimmery. It actually makes it look like your skin has that dewy glow itself and it's not just shimmer on top. So I think that's why these look way more natural than other highlighters that I have tried. And the other reason I like them goes back to that dry skin aspect. So if you are someone who's like me, where you maybe get dry or dehydrated on your cheeks and around your eyes, these can be very helpful because they are not a powder product. So they can give you a bit more moisture in those areas. So I will link to these in the show notes, but Beauty Counter came out with four different shades. There is one that is just a very, very sheer pearlescent color, and I absolutely adore this one. And if you have never used a highlighter before, this is probably the only one that you really need. They also have a pale gold, they have a rose gold color, and they have a bronzy color. And so honestly, when I opened up the bronzy one, I was very, very nervous because it is very dark. And so anyone who is lighter than probably medium skin toned, I do not think you would ever need this one unless you want to use it for the purpose that I have found. So I do not think that even when I use self-tanner, which I will talk about more later, um, even if I was super, super dark and also just naturally tan from the sun in summertime, I don't think that I'd be able to use the darkest shade, which is called Flare as a highlighter on my cheekbones. It would just be too dark. But what I have actually started to like using it for is to give me a little bit of shimmer on top of my bronzer. So I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I think that I will probably always be 
a powder bronzer user because I like to be able to blend it into my hairline. And you just can't do that with cream products because then it's going to make your hair look icky, you know? So the powder bronzer is great that I use by Ilia, but sometimes it is nice to have just a little bit more glow at your temples. This is also an area where for me, I get very dry. And so what I've been doing is I've been taking the tiniest little bit of flare, the dark uh, highlighting balm by Beauty Counter and stippling that, like dabbing it onto my bronzer. And what it does, it is it just gives me a little bit more of like a real glow look rather than just matte bronzer. So. That is how I am using flare um, because I am not darker than like medium, I would say. Um, so if you are lighter than medium, I don't think you would need flare. I would stick with lunar. It's just gorgeous. That would be your go-to if you are brand new to the highlighting world. So I will link to those in the show notes. Um, and then the next thing that I want to talk about before I get to hair is a tanner update. <laughs> so in April of last year. That is when I started using self-tanner for the first time. Um, Beauty Counter is one of my favorite brands, but there's also another brand that is called Beauty by Earth that I love as well. They make the self-tanner that I have been using for about a year, and I was always using the lotion virgin. Ver Gin. They have a lot of different types. They have a mousse, they have a spray, they have tanning drops. And I was very hesitant to try the mousse, but I did recently. And oh my gosh, it is way better than the lotion. Not that there's anything wrong with the lotion, but the lotion is just like so hydrating and so moisturizing that during the spring and summer, when it is hotter outside and more humid, it's almost uncomfortable to wear. And so this mousse feels like nothing. Oh my goodness. And it gives me such darker color than the lotion would because it was just too uncomfortable to wear that much of the lotion. So my routine for using the tanning mousse is pretty darn simple, I think. Um, I'm using it about once a week and I will exfoliate all over. And then once I get out of the shower, I will put four pumps of the mousse on my upper body and I just apply it with my hands. I don't do any mitts or anything crazy. Um, and then I will do three pumps per leg and I will kind of blend it out into, you know, into my torso. Maybe I will add a pump or two on my belly and back, um, but that's about it. Now, because the mousse is so lightweight, what I have been doing is I've been applying my body lotion after the mousse. So because I'm applying the mousse to bare skin, it absorbs very, very well. And then I let it dry and then I will put the body lotion on top. And by rubbing the body lotion on, it kind of serves as like an extra preventative measure to just make sure that um, I don't have any streaking or anything crazy show up. So now, have I messed up the mousse before? I have, um, but that's just because I did not apply it correctly. Um, but if you apply it well, you will be just fine. And then just make sure to rinse or wash your hands afterwards. Um, that way your palms don't get too, you know, dark. Um... I'm really in love with the mousse. I've actually, I've already ordered my backups of it because I am just so in love with it because it gives just a much deeper color 
Um, and that's very exciting to me because with the lotion, just because of how little of it I could apply to still be comfortable, um, I wouldn't get my desired color until like two applications, but with a mousse, I can get, can get it in just one application. Now, will I still continue to buy the tanning lotion? Yes, definitely. Um, for me, what that I think is good for is doing kind of touch-ups throughout the week when I don't want a super, super dark amount of color applied, but I just might want to add a little bit of glow um, as it starts to fade throughout the week. Um, I think Beauty by Earth says that your tan should last around five to six days. Um, I do notice, you know, it's not like it's gonna stay as dark for all of those five days, but it does start to taper off. And so what I will do is I will mix a little bit of the tanning lotion with a very lightweight body lotion. And then I get a good combination of color, but not too much hydration. Um, and I will use that like maybe every other day throughout the week just to keep my color up. So I will link to the tanning mousse and then also the um, tanning lotion in the show notes. Um, after the break, I'm going to talk about my hair. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, I think I have finally found <laughs> the curling, like the heatless curling method and all of the products that I need to get my long bob to look like how I want it to. So yeah, if you followed me on Instagram, um, you've seen my, you know, journey with my hair. So anyways, stay tuned. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Grubly Farms, the brand of chicken food and treats I use for my own flock. What's always been important to me is making sure my girls get a non-soy protein source, but Grubly Farms takes it one step further by using food waste to raise the black soldier fly larvae that they then turn into insect-based protein. This is way more natural for chickens than the fish-based food I used to use. Grubly Farms is also higher in calcium than other feeds because it is made of insects, and I've definitely noticed stronger eggshells because of it. My girls go crazy for the crumbled food, but you can shop all their products with a link in the show notes, and you can get 25% off your first order by using the code GIRLYHOMESTEADER at checkout. All right, so as you know, if you follow me on Instagram and you listened to, I think, March's favorites, um, I got my hair chopped and I got a long bob. Since March, I have actually gotten it cut again and I have gotten it cut even like just right above my collarbone. So my hair is even shorter. I am still using the heatless, like the satin, the satin flexi rods by Kitsch, which I talked about last month. I am still using those. And I think by now I have finally gotten like the preferred curling method for my hair. I used them last night. I woke up this morning and my hair was like pretty much perfect. Not going to lie. Um, so I'm going to go through that full routine. So if you are not into hair, you know, feel free to skip ahead. I have a couple gardening products that I want to talk about. But if you are into hair, um, this is my routine. So I will wash and condition my hair. And then when I get out of the shower, I do put my hair into one of those like microfiber kind of like hair turban sort of things. Um, and that's when I'll do my skincare. So then once I'm done with that, I will take my hair out of the towel and I will brush through it with a like detangling brush. So a very wide, you know, wide toothed kind of a brush. And then I will try to, you know, shake some of the water out a little bit 
And what I am using is another product that is by Beauty by Earth. And it is their sea salt texture spray. I have never used a sea salt spray before because honestly, they just kind of, I don't know, it seemed like it would dry your hair out. But my hair is so fine and so slippery, especially when it is clean, that my hair just has no texture and it's super flat. I prefer my hair on day two because it has a little bit more texture and I have some dry shampoo in there and it just has a little bit more volume and I just like how it looks. So the texture, the sea salt texture spray by Beauty by Earth gives me that feeling of having day two hair on day one and my hair doesn't look dirty or greasy or anything. It just looks really fantastic. Now, I will say though, <laughs> the first time that I tried using this texture spray, I applied way too much and I put it all over my hair and that was not what I was looking for. Um, I am not scrunching my hair to get waves. Um, I am using these curlers. And so all I need to do is I need to spray this texturizing sea, sea salt spray at my roots. I have discovered that on my hair, um, anywhere between like 9 to 12 sprays at my roots is good. And I only want to apply it at my roots because all I'm doing is just looking to get some texture so I can get a little bit more volume at the crown of my head and just, you know, everywhere on my roots. So I will spray that in and then I will kind of work it in with my fingers and then I will try to let my hair air dry a little bit if possible, if I have time. Um, then I will take my blow dryer and I will focus on blow drying my roots. As soon as you start drying your hair, you will feel the texture that the sea salt spray gives you. And it's amazing. And the other thing that I like about it too, is that if you run your fingers in your hair, you don't like feel icky because I play with my hair a lot. That is a bad habit that I have. I always have my fingers in my hair. I'm twirling my hair, whatever. So I am very sensitive to the products that are in my hair because I don't want to feel a residue on my fingers. So this sea salt spray does not give you that. So um, after I have finished blow drying, I don't blow dry it like completely dry. I'll blow dry it maybe 90%. And then what I will do is I will take hair oil and I will use that on the ends of my hair primarily just to help kind of smooth it out. My hair is, again, it's so fine and so flat that after I blow dry it, it looks terrible because it's so puffy and fluffy and just really terrible. So the hair oil is something that I have been using for years and years. Um, actually, this is another product that I can talk about this month, um, but it is the hair oil by Pros. I was always DIYing my hair oil and it was always okay, you know, it was fine, nothing terrible, but it was so easy for me to over apply it. And if I would, my hair would look greasy and it would take a while for it to really like sink in. So with my new haircut, I decided to get a new order um, from Pros. I decided to reformulate my shampoo and conditioner. I have talked about Pros before on podcast episodes. They do like custom shampoo and conditioner, but they also do custom styling products. And so I had never tried their styling products. So with this new 
subscription, I decided to try the hair oil and also the dry shampoo. I'm still not sure how I feel about the dry shampoo, but at least with the hair oil, I am blown away because I can apply it and my hair doesn't look greasy. It just automatically soaks in and it gives me the smoothness that I'm looking for. Um, with my length of hair, Last night, I applied three drops of the hair oil. I just smoothed it all over my ends. And then I got ready to put my curlers in. So I think last month when I was talking about the curlers, I did talk about how many I was using. And I think I said five, and that is still the number that I think works best for me. Um, I do part my hair to the side. <laughs> I know that that's like a big drama between millennials and Gen Zers, but I am never going to part my hair in the middle because I just don't think it's flattering. So I part my hair to the side. So what I do is I will part my hair where I want it to be parted, and I will use five of the Kitsch Satin Flexi Rods. I will also use claw clips that fit around them. So... Let me, I'm hoping that this all makes sense <laughs> with the way that I use them. Um, but what I have discovered is that with using these flexi rods, it is very, very important about how you wrap your hair. If you wrap your hair very tightly and you wrap it so it's like super, super coiled around the flexi rod, you will get Shirley Temple curls which is fine if that's what you're looking for. And if you have longer hair, that will probably work better because your hair has more weight to kind of straighten them out. But if you have shorter hair like I do now with this bob, if you wrap your hair too tightly around them, you will look like Shirley Temple. And if that's what you're going for, cool. But that's not what I was going for. I was going for kind of soft, controlled waves because I do have wavy hair but it's just not controlled. And I wanted it to be just a little bit more smooth and controlled. So what I have discovered is that when you are wrapping your hair, it's super helpful to wrap it around. Like if you are wrapping it kind of in a spiral around the roller. So with each wrap around the roller, you want to make sure that you leave some space where you can see the satin of the roller. I hope that makes sense. So rather than like, you know, tightening it around, really close together, you want to create almost a spiral. The other thing that I have discovered too, is that if you're looking for more of a wave, it's actually really helpful to not be too careful about tucking the ends of your hair into the curler, into the roller. Um, what I will do is I will secure the ends of my hair with that claw clip. And so if I leave some of the ends poking out, that actually really, really helps. Um, it just makes it look more like a wave rather than a ringlet. So I will part my hair, as I said, and then I will do one of these curlers at the crown of my hair. I do try to pick up a decent amount of hair from like the, I don't know, above the nape of my neck. And I will take that and I will pull it up on top of my head and I will put that curler at the crown kind of like centered in the back of my head. And then I will, um, I will angle that spiral or like I will direct that spiral to the side of my hair. Let's see, how do I, how do I explain this? Because I have a side part, um, I will direct that spiral to the side of my head that has the most hair. Okay. So like if I part my hair on the left, I will direct that spiral to the right. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. So then I have four more curlers left. 
I will work from back to front. And so then I will just continue with the next portion in front of that one at the crown of my head and I will spiral it and I will secure the ends with that clip and then I will fold over the top of the curler over and that helps to secure it on your head. Now, the two that are closest to my face, this is where I use two claw clips and I will secure each end of my hair where I start rolling it and also where I finish with a clip. And this helps to secure it more like securely <laughs> um, to my head and that way they don't fall in my face. Um, so I wear these flexi rods when I am sleeping and even with my fancy pillow to help protect my neck, which I have talked about before. I think I talked about that in January. Um, even with that pillow and even with sleeping, I am able to sleep on my back relatively comfortably. Now, if it does happen to be a weekend or something and I do wake up in the middle of the night and I, you know, know I'm going to keep sleeping for a while, I will take them out and I'll just like leave them by the side of the bed and my curls are just fine. These flexi rods, they really do keep your hair soft because they are covered in satin, but the curls, I think, last a pretty darn good amount of time. Of course, I do have them in all night, um, but if you are somebody who tosses and turns while you sleep, this probably could be an issue, um, but I have pretty much become a back sleeper, and so I am able to keep these five rollers away from my face and also off the back of my head. The other thing that I have discovered too is that if you're trying to achieve more of a wave, I do think that it's helpful to not curl all of your hair. What I have discovered is that all of the hair that is kind of like my bottom layer of hair, if I leave that uncurled, it looks a lot better. It doesn't look as Shirley Temple and it looks just kind of like messy, pretty waves, which is what I was going for. So when I wake up in the morning, I will take out the curlers and then I will use another two or so drops of hair oil and I will basically brush through the curls with my fingers. And then I will, you know, keep it out of my face as I am doing my skincare and my makeup. And then really all I have to do is just kind of like fluff it up a bit and then that's it. I am still trying to figure out the best way to sleep with my hair to kind of preserve the waves. Um, when I had long hair, I would put my hair up in a really high ponytail and that's how I would sleep without it bothering me. Um, but now that my hair is shorter and now that I'm sleeping on my back more routinely, I'm trying to just sleep with my hair loose, hoping that that will preserve my waves, but I'm still trying to get a handle on that. So, but anyways, that is my wavy bob routine as of right now. Um, I am thrilled with my hair because I absolutely love how it looks and feels on day one. And hopefully um, once our bathroom remodel is over, <laughs> I can make like an actual video routine of this and I can post it on Instagram. But yes, we are still dealing <laughs> with that bathroom remodel, which is why I'm recording here at work. So Anyways, that was long and drawn out, but I hope that you enjoyed the information about my wavy bob routine. Um, I absolutely love my hair at this length, and uh, at least for right now, I cannot imagine going back to having long hair because I'm wearing my hair down so much more, and I am enjoying it, and I just, I really like it. So, 
I have two gardening things that I want to talk about and then also a mocktail kind of a thing that I want to share too. So let me get into that first. So my husband and I, we have started to drink more mocktails throughout the week. Um, but what I realized though, is that there's just something about drinking cocktails that it just makes you feel fancy. And for us, it's not that we really needed the alcohol. <laughs> it was just that we wanted the special, you know, thing in our hand. And we also, it's almost like whenever we would have a cocktail together, you know, that was like a sign that we could just relax and have fun. And it was time to just like talk or whatever. It was kind of, there was an emotional attachment to it. Um, but recently we've decided to try drinking more mocktails and I have been loving making mocktails with tea. So I'm a big fan of the Republic of Tea. They make a lot of delicious black teas that I like, but they also make special large tea bags to make pitchers of iced tea. So what I have been doing is I have been taking those and I have been making the tea very, very strong. So I will take just your typical mason jar, like pint jar, and I will put two of these pouches in there and I will fill it up with the 12 ounces of water and I'll let it steep and then I'll take the tea bags out. And then because this is so potent and so strong, what we do is we basically just pour it into our glass as if it was our alcohol and then we will add whatever mixer we want on top and they are delicious. But the thing that I want to share specifically are these cute like jar toppers that I found on Amazon. Um, they look like little kids water bottles, but they pour very easily and I'm able to have all of our different, you know, mocktail mixers in the fridge. So I'll link to those special mason jar lids in the show notes as well. So now the next two things I want to talk about are related to the garden. One is a kind of a fertilizer sort of a thing. It is called Organic Rev. I learned about this product through a gardening podcast that I listened to, and it's actually not a fertilizer. Um, it is kind of a growth stimulant is what it says on the bottle and I still don't really know exactly what it does but it apparently helps your plants to acclimate to new surroundings a lot better and it helps them use the nutrients that are already in your soil. The other thing that I really like about it or well I'll talk about the two different uses that I have for it. So the first use um, is for indoor plants. So if you've ever had like say an indoor basil that whenever you go to water it you can just kind of tell that like the soil, it almost like creates a film on top and it doesn't water very well. Like the water just wants to like pour right off the top of the soil. That always has happened with my houseplants. And on this gardening podcast that I listened to, the lady said that this organic rev, it helps to prevent that kind of hydrophilic um, phenomenon from happening. And I can definitely attest to the fact that that is true. All of my indoor herbs that I have right now, I have watered with organic rev when I put them into their pots. And when I go to water them now, the water just seeps right in and it doesn't just like bubble over the sides and get all over my table. So that's the first reason why I love organic rev. The second reason is that I used it when transplanting my cold weather crops out into the garden and they did so well during their transition, like so, so well. Now, I will say though, we had a lot of really weirdly hot and dry weather this spring 
And my cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower, they didn't like that heat, but that was like a month after they had been transplanted. Um, and so the organic rev definitely helped them when they had been transplanted because I didn't even harden these guys off. I really didn't. Um, yeah, I definitely broke all of the gardening rules <laughs> and I did not harden off my cold weather um, plants. Now, did I transplant them out on very good weather days? Yes, I did, but they definitely hadn't felt real wind or much real soil at all because they were growing hydroponically. So this organic rev definitely gave them a boost and they transplanted just fine. I am not affiliated with organic rev, but I am still going to link to them in the show notes. They do have like a special trial kit where I think you pay like just for shipping and you get a small two ounce bottle, I think is what it is. Um, and that was the first way that I tried it. Um, but man, I have a big bottle now <laughs> and I absolutely love the stuff. So again, I'll link to that in the show notes. And then the final thing that I want to talk about today is actually not our product at all, but it is the process of making pots out of paper. So we use our Grubly Farms food for our chickens, and I love it. And the nice thing about their bags is that they are paper. They are not that woven plastic. They are paper. The bags are also three layers thick. The outside layer has the printing, and so what I will do is I will take that off the inner layers and I will recycle it. So then the inside layers are just craft paper, not dyed or anything, just plain craft paper. And what I have started doing is I have made pots out of that paper. And then in theory, once I go to transplant my peppers and my tomatoes and my other herbs, I'll be able to just bury the pot just as it is. And it prevents that paper from getting, you know, you know, going to the recycling or potentially just thrown away or composted or whatever. I get to use it for an easy pot for my plants. And then the other nice thing too, is that if you have all of your plants in a container, you know, when you're taking them in and out of the house to harden them off, it's super easy to water because all you have to do is just pour water into the container. And because the paper is porous, of course, and it absorbs the water, the plant gets to absorb the water from the bottom up. And it's just very easy to water your seedlings. So the way you make these is super easy. I will use a wide mouth pint jar. Um, so like the same one that I keep my sourdough starter in. Well, not the same jar, but like the same style of jar. So a wide mouth um, pint size mason jar. You will cut the craft paper or whatever paper you have that you're gonna use. You can do this with newspaper as well. So if you are confused after I explain how to do this, if you Google newspaper pots, you will be able to find this technique. But Basically, you will cut your paper so that it is a little bit, maybe like two or three inches longer than your jar, and you will roll the paper around the jar. What you want to do, though, is you want to make sure that the open end of the jar is on the same side of those extra two to three inches of paper. Then what you do is you just crumple up those edges and you shove them inside the jar, and then you pull it off the jar and that's it, you have your pot. Um, I was worried that they were gonna be kind of unstable and not really hold up to watering, but they are doing just fine. Um, again, though, I do have them in a container, so they are sitting in something that is more stable. Um, if you did have these pots just like 
sitting on a table themselves, that wouldn't be a good idea because obviously they would release the water, the excess water onto your table. Um, so if you are gonna use these paper pots, definitely put them in something, um, like whether it's just a big Rubbermaid tote or something like that. I just use a cheap Rubbermaid tote from Target. Um, and that's where I keep all my seedlings, my plants, while I am hardening them off outside. And then I'll bring them in at night right now. And yeah, those paper pots are fantastic. And I feel good about being able to use my feed bags um, for a real good purpose. Because I mean, I use, I go through about a bag of feed every week. And so I have a big pile of them. Um, so they, the, the feed bags, they do work well actually for like um, weed control as kind of like a mulch. Um, but I'm also happy to have another use for them. So hopefully that made sense. Next week, I will be talking about my May goals for the homestead. Um, yeah, May is Monday, which is crazy. I know I say that every single month, but um, this April has been weird here in Ohio because right now it's freezing cold. It was in the 80s and now we're getting like down into the 30s at night. So I don't know. This has probably been the most extreme spring that we've ever had, but we will get through it and hopefully May brings us weather when I can finally get my tomatoes and my peppers into the ground. So stay tuned and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, Follow me on Instagram at the girly homesteader.